these messages will be right back. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. Are you in good hands? And now, a word from our sponsors. All right, everybody, here we go. Welcome to the very, very, very first episode of After These Messages, a podcast dedicated to everyone's favorite part of watching television. Of course, I'm talking about the commercials. That's right, we're going to dissect the commercials we love, the commercials we hate, and the commercials where people say weird shit like this. Since I started using Forever Comfy, my back feels good and my bottom feels good. My name is Andrew Walsh. I'm kind of the, um, what would you say, maybe the, uh, the, the beauty behind this operation. But the brains are here as well. That would be Genevieve Has in the studio. Hello, Genevieve. Hi, Andrew. Am I the face of the operation? I know I'm not the brains. Is there a third option? Uh, I mean, I guess uh, muscle. You booty? could be the muscle. Could I be the booty? I mean, you know, we could borrow a, a, a page from It's Always Sunny. You could be the wild card. Okay. <laughs> I like that. I am the wild card of the operation. You are the brains, the muscle, the beauty, and the booty of After These Messages. Yeah, and you're the technical support. And I'm, and I'm the technical support. So if anybody has any issues, go ahead and, and call me and I'll, I'll work it out uh, with you. Uh, so today on the show, we are going to look at apology ads. Those are the commercials that feel the need to apologize for their products. Whether they really should be doing that or not, we'll discuss. Also, a defense of flow. I love the progressive spokeswoman, and from some comments online after we uh, we posted about this show on Facebook, I'm starting to think that I might be in the minority, at least of people willing to admit that they like Flo, the progressive spokeswoman. Well, you know, haters going to hate. Haters going to hate. All right. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. And we're going to hear from you guys, our so-called ad council. That's what we're calling you guys, our ad council. And I love it. I love that you're our ad council. We're going to hear from you guys, and you're going to tell us about the commercials that you love and the commercials that you hate. But first, Genevieve, how about this? I have been trying to get you to record a podcast with me for a long time now, right? Like, you and I have been on other people's podcasts. Everybody says you're radio gold. Uh, I say you're radio gold. You... Always declined, but um, did I finally just kind of like wear you down, or is there something about commercials that just like really spoke to you? Well, I do love commercials, and I love uh, our evenings of dissecting them together, and it, it that was very tempting. But I actually think that what finally pushed me over the edge was the feeling that if uh, within a few years it's going to be legally mandated that everyone have a podcast, <laughs> right. I just really want to get in ahead of you know the, the, there's going to be a lot of. Uh, paperwork at that point i'd rather just do it now right no that's smart and actually no joke a one of the impetuses for me was kind of like oh we should do this sooner rather than later because if we don't do a podcast about commercials somebody else is and we looked around we didn't see another podcast specifically on this topic right did I, you find one i didn't i didn't i didn't go exhaustively digging um there's an interesting blog uh, that ad week has called ad freak where they mm-hmm. talk about some interesting commercials things that are uh you know pushing the boundaries or doing interesting stuff so we're far from the only people thinking about ads 
Um, but we're probably the least qualified people talking about ads. <laughs> so that answers my second question. What what are our credentials? You know, let's just skip right over top of that. I guess our credentials are we watch a hell of a lot of television. Oh, God, I love television. And we don't skip the commercials. You know, I was, I was telling you before the show, I posted my Facebook page. Hey, guys, I'm working on a project. You know, tell us about what commercials you love and what commercials you hate. And got tons of responses. And then one person wrote, I don't like commercials. I ignore them all. And I was just like, well, well, thank you for weighing in on that. It's like if she had posted to her Facebook page, what's a cheese shop in Boston I should check out? And I just decided to weigh in and be like, I hate cheese. I would never set foot in one. Well, actually, that leads me to the next question I want to ask you, which is like everybody says we're living in the golden age of television. You can make the argument that we may be in the sunset of the golden age of television. I don't know. Putting that aside, do you think that we're living in the golden age of commercials? You know, that's an interesting question. I don't I don't think there's certainly as much energy around commercials as there is around some of the, you know, appointment television. I do think in a weird way, if we are, it's because of TiVo, because mm-hmm. TiVo is pushing ad advertisers to up their game. Um, certainly, you know, you're seeing a lot of uh, product placement as a replacement for, for traditional commercials. Everybody just TiVo's past them. But... I do think there are ads that are, are just are good enough to get people to stop on them, at least maybe the first time. If, if anything, if we are living in a golden age of advertising, it's because uh, it's so easy to avoid it if you really want to. And so they, they have to make them especially good. I, I agree. And also, I think, and I remember people talking about this a long time ago, kind of in the, in the early ages of the internet, saying that like what's going to happen is advertisers are going to have to step up their game big time in order to make these commercials not just something that people are going to skip over, but in some cases that people are going to seek out. And I do find that, well, now we're kind of down the rabbit hole a little bit because here I am trying to do prep for this show, looking up a bunch of commercials online. And what do you find? Yeah, you can find any commercial online, but you know what? First, you have to watch a commercial online before you get to that commercial. So commercials themselves are kind of a destination. People are going online to say, I want, oh, did you see, they're trying to make them a little bit more viral. Did you see the flow ad or whatever? Yeah, there's always some commercial that's going viral and there's always a few products out there that are doing um, interesting enough work or a series based around a a funny or innovative premise that does get people talking. Um, I think one of the things I I want, really want us to talk about on these podcasts, and we won't be able to cover it all in one day, certainly, is how if you know, is a good commercial a commercial that you remember, or is a good commercial a commercial that makes you buy something? Right, exactly. And we talk about that a lot too when we're watching television. Like, oh, that's a great ad. What was it for? I can't remember. It's definitely for a car. Uh, there's a I, I do know there's an ad right now for Acura. I happen to know that it's for Acura because I I made a point of noticing it. But it's it's a terrific ad. It's the guy. The guy's like the crash tester. Oh, my God. That commercial's he, so good. Yeah. He puts this, these dummies into a car that look like real people, and then you realize at the end the the dummies that he's been putting into the, the car to crash test it, he's imagining them as being his real family members. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, oh, when you when you imagine that they're not dummies, like great things happen. I guess like your car is less deadly. Fantastic ad. I've, I, I had to specifically make a note to find out what car it was because it could be literally any kind of, you know, 
mid-price luxury sedan. Yeah, yeah. That, the commercial. The one thing about that commercial that bugs me is that guy reminds me of Krieger so much from Archer. He's a ginger, not some. But he, weird, really, yeah. he's got. Well, I mean, he's got he he's got a very similar body type. He's got the beard. He's got the haircut. He's got a and white then coat he's doing and this, a beard. Yes, like, that's it. And, but he's got a white coat, and he's in the and he's doing something weird with like humanoids, sort of. I mean, you're not going with me I, on this I one. I can't. I can't go with <laughs> go you. Go with me on this one. On this one, it creeps me. Well, it's definitely a creepy ad. It is anyway, creepy. I love that. I do love that ad, but it's definitely Krieger. And I'm sorry that we had to start the show with you being wrong. But all right, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into this uh, first segment. We're calling "What Are You Apologizing For?" Who are the ad wizards who came up with this one? What are you apologizing for? This all started with a Sam Adams ad That's that right. we saw the other day, which actually has been around. I realized today. It's actually been around for a couple of years now, but it's kind of recently back in rotation. The premise of this ad is it's very much your Folgers Crystals uh, sort of scenario. If you if you were alive in the 80s, you, you may vaguely remember um, there was a really successful series of ads around replacing people's coffee at fancy restaurants with Folgers Crystals. Now they're going into bars, um, I guess, that are exclusively populated by douchebags. And uh, they're having them blind taste test a beer. And then they find out, oh, my God, this was Sam Adams all along. And the kind of the the narrative in the commercial is, what? The beer that I thought was disgusting swill is actually very drinkable? Right. So do you want to Yeah, let's let's take a listen to the ad. And you're like, oh, man, guys, I wish we were vodcasters so that you could actually see this, too. I mean, there is some... Just imagine a lot of backwards baseball caps. (laughs) There is some D-baggery. I believe there's a fedora involved as well. There's a fedora. All right, let's take a listen. Really? Is it really? No way. Why are these people surprised? They just found out they were secretly tasting Sam Adams Boston Lager. It's got a good color. It's got a good hoppy smell to it. It's got a good body. It's very smooth. I like that. Smooth, but it does have flavor. You're drinking Sam Adams Boston Lager. Oh, really? You definitely got me. It's consistent. That's a damn nice. It's nice. It's damn good beer. I could drink a couple of these. I obviously was selling myself short by not even considering this as a possibility. That dude doesn't know what that phrase means. Selling himself short. He's not selling himself short. Yeah, he was selling Sam Adams short. He was selling short Sam Adams short. Really, yeah. I, it seems I, – I doubt it would be possible to sell him short. This is – you're right. That is <laughs> – yeah, the guy who says that, by the way, is the guy who's wearing a black T-shirt of some sort, um, kind of wraparound sunglasses and a fedora. One of the other guys, uh, backwards baseball cap, and you can tell he's also got backwards sunglasses on his head as well. Oh, and God. the funny thing is – here's what I think they're going for. I was looking up this commercial today because I wanted to see what year – it first hit because I thought it was new. Actually, it's from a couple of summers ago, but it caused outrage in the internet verse as well because I guess what they're getting at here is these are supposed to be beer snobs. And so Sam Adams is trying to like win over the beer snobs. And these are a bunch of people at a bar, but it's kind of an outdoor like beer garden bar. And so you can kind of maybe picture this as kind of like. I think about the kind of beer gardens we've been to in Portland or something like that, you know, a real beer town. I don't quite get the look of these people. I think Sam Adams doesn't quite understand what a beer snob looks like because these don't look like beer snobs. They look, look like, like Boston bros. They just look like a bunch of bros. Yeah, exactly. So, And I, let me tell you what Boston bros already like to drink. Sam Adams. And, and yes, and lighter fluid and really anything that <laughs> takes them – just a little bit, a little bit further away from reality, and I don't say that judgmentally. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in that club as well. So I also we like- really love all of our listeners from Boston. <laughs> I, uh, I, 
actually really like Sam Adams, so that's why this commercial stuck out to me. I guess I don't know. Maybe I'm betraying myself as somebody who does. Well, I've also betrayed myself. I guess not on this podcast, but in plenty of other arenas of my life as liking Bud Light. I mean, not liking Bud Light. I wouldn't tell somebody, you got to try this beer. But, like, it's passable to me on a hot summer day. I drink some hey, Bud Light. Hey, there's Lights. a Bud Light ad right there. It's passable to me on a hot summer day. <laughs> exactly. Get the hot, Bud Light people hot on Hot summer the day. Treat it a little bit more like a chaser with your whiskey or whatever. Like, I'm absolutely fine with it. So I guess I'm the, the wrong person to be directing this towards. But if they're going for a, hey – we're not that bad, beer snobs. I think they're missing the point of what a beer snob is. Yeah, I wish we had our friend Ben uh, in the room with us because oh, he's a Portland beer snob, if ever there was one, and uh, he could tell us if. But he's also a New Englander, so I, I. No, he would never. He would never. Drink Sam, Adams Sam Adams will Adams. never set foot in his house. Mm. Well, I, I do think it's an interesting kind of approach because I, they, they may be trying to win over the beer snob uh, crowd. But they're going at it from this perspective of that Sam Adams is not an, not an enjoyable beer or it's not a beer yeah. that you think is good, but, oh, you're surprised to find that it is good. And it got us thinking about ads generally where – because most ads, whatever, whatever else they're doing, they are starting from the premise of we are awesome because. Right. And, and if you don't mind me actually interrupting for you for one second, because I don't think I was clear about that, that Sam Adams ad, it's just like that to me stood out because it took a product that I always thought was kind of good. I always looked forward to a Sam Adams, and now I associate it with a commercial as being a lesser product. This commercial made me feel worse incep- about the product. They incepted you. Yes. Yeah, yeah I mean, most famously and, and, and most recently, uh, Domino's, which has labored <laughs> Under uh, a terrible reputation for years and years, I and mean, it was always just you know the pizza of last resort. Uh, Domino's really took the bull by the horns. Uh, did issued a lot of commercials of mea culpas. We know we've been terrible. We know we taste like cardboard with ketchup on it. Uh, we know that you know everything about us has been bad. I mean, some of these ads were they were so self immolating that hmm. it was like. You know, I hadn't even thought about how bad that was, but yeah, you're reminding me it really is terrible. But I do think that in Domino's case, that's that was a, a winning strategy because if you look at the totality of the, their campaign for the last couple of years, it has kind of followed a narrative of, okay, we knew we were terrible. Here's what we're doing to change the pizza. Um, and then, you know, sort of moving the moving the story forward, you know, month by month, year by year to demonstrate a, 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 a visible arc of improvement. Um, I actually, we, we, we did have Domino's kind of, kind of recently within the, within the time of this, this uh, grand rebirth, right? And I think they actually have kind of improved their pizza. Yeah, I think so. What I didn't realize, I was poking around a little bit about this today. So this was, like you said, a huge ad campaign that had a pretty kind of actually long narrative arc. And I didn't, I didn't realize that this all started back in 2009 when these, uh, this, rings a vague bell there were these guys who were working at some domino somewhere you know in the kitchen and they made a viral video of them effing with pizza, people's pizza oh, like sticking were... their fingers in yes. it sticking things up their nose and putting in the pizza like I, I saw little bits of it today it was like really disgusting i had totally forgotten about that so i guess what happened was domino's decided listen we need to address this but also we don't have the best reputation as a pizza anyway let's just like kind of like just take this which is pretty smart. Like, I don't love these ads, but when I think about it's, it... It's a make-or-break strategy. Yeah, the, exactly. It was just kind of... Yeah, exactly. They decided, well, we're already kind of 
the lowest of the low right now as far as PR and marketing is concerned. So let's just kind of take this kind of crappy opportunity to wrap everything else up in it and just totally redefine ourselves. And so they started by releasing a four or five minute uh, video. And I don't know if this aired anywhere, if they just put it online and push people towards it. Of people in focus groups giving all kinds of like negative feedback about it. They did they, release those on TV. I remember seeing they them. They chopped it up. Yeah. yeah, they took this four or five minute thing and they chopped it up into a bunch of individual ads. And here, I'll, I'll play a little bit of it. Everybody's heard this, so we don't have to belabor it. Domino's pizza crust to me is like cardboard. I hear what some folks are saying about our stuff. The sauce tastes like ketchup. Totally void of flavor. I mean, that hits you right in the heart. There comes a time when you know you've got to make a change. You've got to move forward. What's different about the new pizza? We improved everything. Sauce, crust, cheese, you name it. It's better. And then one of the things that I didn't like about the long video that also became part of the ad campaign that I'm sure people are familiar with is they then tracked down the people in the focus group and then showed up at their doors with a with a pizza in their hands and saying, hey, are you the guy who said it tasted like cardboard? And the guy's like, oh, maybe. I don't know. Like It's like to catch up. Pizza Predator or something. It's not. I don't. I don't like the vibe that it gives off at all because I, I don't know. It makes me feel like I don't ever want to be in a focus group. And then they they're like, does it oh, make wow, you feel like you might want to watch a show called To Catch a Pizza Predator? I do kind of want to watch that show now. That is true. So you know what? Can we just scrap this podcast and make that? I think this New podcast idea. will take care of itself. Don't worry about it. So anyway, I guess. Uh, Sam Adams, bad idea. Domino's went for it. Like you're, I, I, I like the phrase "make or break," and I, I think it's worked for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd have to. I, I have no idea. I, I have no idea, and don't care to find out what their uh, stock price or market share is looking like these days. But I, I will say personally for myself, I do have a slightly better. Um, uh, you know, just feeling about their, the quality of their product. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know if that's because of the ads or because at some point the ads gave me enough, uh, you know, incentive to purchase a Domino's pizza and then I had a good experience. But, you know, it, it, overall, I feel like the zeitgeist is Domino's, not your absolute last option in terms of pizza. Yeah. And I mean, there's your slogan. Yeah, right. Wow. Why didn't they hire you? I'm not going to play the tape of it because I think um, I don't, we're, we don't have tons of time here. But um, the only other ad I could think of, and I think I actually read this in Slate, so props to them when they were dissecting the Domino's pizza ad. They mentioned that uh, GM did a you know General Motors did an apology ad back in 2010 after they declared bankruptcy. Well, let me see. Maybe I'll, I'll just play a little bit of this, but it's a pretty it's a pretty long ad. Let's be completely honest. No company wants to go through this. But we're not witnessing the end of the American car. We're witnessing the rebirth of the American car. General Motors needs to start over in order to get stronger. There was a time when eight different brands made sense. Not anymore. Anyway, I actually misspoke. That was from 2009. As a matter of fact, the campaign was called Reinvention. But I couldn't think of a lot of other kind of apology ads except for these few examples. Can you think of any others or maybe products that should be doing apology ads? I guess that's like, that could be a long list. Yeah. <laughs> I, there is one that's happening right now that I think qualifies, although it's a bit more subtle than Domino's and GM. It, the Time Warner Cable um, – and I, I think Comcast has done a similar version of this, although we don't live in a, uh, a Comcast-heavy area. Uh, you know, if, if there if there is a company or kind or or industry that has a lower 
uh, public perception than the cable industry. I don't know what it is, and I feel sad for them. Especially for customer service. Customer service. Yeah. I mean, you know, how many how many viral videos have we seen of people, you know, stuck on the phone with an obtuse, rude uh, cable uh, customer service person who won't let them off the phone, even though they're trying to ask for personally, you know, perfectly reasonable thing like canceling their service or something. So I've seen a few ads where uh, Time Warner is sort of saying, like, you know, the implication is we know, uh, you know, you, you, we've really dicked you around in the past, but now, you know, hand on a Bible. If we say we'll be there between ten and eleven a.m., we will be there. And here's some other stuff we're going to do. And like, please. For the love of God, don't go to DirecTV, which right. I feel like that's sort of the unspoken part of because that commercial. Because that's the only real competition, yes. really, in most places. You can well, go to DirecTV or is, you can go with... It is, but wait five minutes because Apple TV is coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are defecting in droves to the Netflixes and the Hulus and the, all these things that are going to bring all the internet uh, television services into one uh, easy-to-use navigable interface. And when that happens... Uh, whoever controls NFL football basically is going to just be the last yeah. man standing. But but you raise the question of are there companies out there that should do mea culpas? Um, I think VW, uh, Volkswagen, right. right now comes to mind. I bet they already have – is it Crispin Porter Boguski who did the uh, the uh, Domino's ad? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I bet you they're already on the phone with them or some similarly high-placed ad agency saying, you know, what what do we have to do here? Like – who, who do we have to physically set on fire uh, in a commercial to try to apologize? Because people right. are mad. Like, I drive a VW. I don't really care that much. But I'll tell you, if I had bought a, a, a diesel. Yeah, gone out of your way to, to, to buy that. Then I'd be pretty like livid right now. Hoodwinked and lied to. I would say the only other product I can think of is maybe if HBO wanted to do some sort of a, a true detective apology. <laughs> sort of like that. <laughs> I feel like that should be specifically, um, oh, what's his name? Who's the creator? Oh, I can't remember. Nick something. Yeah, yeah like, I can't think, uh, think of his last name, but uh, I think it's Italian. Yeah, no, that guy, I think he owes HBO an apology. Yeah. I think he, he sold them a bill of goods, and they probably feel as burned as the audience. Right. All right, um, let's move on. This is a segment called I'm Buying It. You have to say it like that. Say it like that. I'm buying it. I like it. Uh, we're going to talk about ads that we love. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Why don't you go first? I'll You're go first, first on the show sheet. I already mentioned at the top of the show that I am going to be talking about Flo, the progressive spokeswoman. Everybody knows who Flo is. If you don't know who Flo is and you're listening to this podcast, who are you? Why are you listening to the podcast? Yeah. Flo, is she divisive because I like I love her. I think I don't just kind of like think, oh, she's okay. Like I think those flow ads are great and I think they're only getting better. And I think that that's unusual for a campaign that's been going on for so long. I noticed that she I, I saw uh, I was doing some googling around. She had done her one hundredth uh commercial for Progressive almost exactly a year ago. Which means, you know, she's well into it now. She's been cranking these things out. I can't help but to think of the uh, the extended campaign for T-Mobile. He always made fun of me because I'd always say, oh, that lady in the pink dress. It must be so much fun to shop for her dresses. She was a very attractive uh, young brunette, uh, and she would wear... Uh, these really cute T-Mobile pink dresses, and they started out very simple. Exactly. Simplicity was the order of the day on those things. But then as they progressed, they got more and more complicated. And I believe the last one was her, like, in a 
it, like some sort of a, a biker gear on a on a crotch rocket zipping through various cities around the world. It became the most complicated concept in the world. To come back to Flo, I sort of feel like Flo has – you know, the, what they've been doing with the character of Flo has been changing, evolving. But first of all, it's not on a specific trajectory. They just kind of try her in various different ways. And she's just legitimately funny. Well, I think that's – you've hit on exactly what I think the distinction is between that and the T-Mobile campaign. The woman who plays Flo uh, was a comedian and actress before – she got that gig. I mean, you know, it'll, obviously now it'll be the first line in her obituary, but... Stephanie Courtney is her name. Stephanie way. Courtney. She's a talented comedic actress and I think comedian in her own right. And so unlike a beautiful model who kind of stands where she's told and wears what she's told to wear, I think this actress, I think Stephanie Courtney is bringing a lot to the role. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're not written. I mean, obviously they are. Um, and they have great production. The, p- the people who are producing them have a really good comic sensibility for what makes yeah. it, what's a funny parody or yes. what's a funny production style. And, and timing and timing. Rhythm. Yep, yep. And the production style is actually very widely. Um, but I think she is, you know, she is sort of truly, she will be, she's a great American pitchman, pitch yeah, woman. I, I agree. I want to, I'm actually going to play two if I can get away with that. But they're both kind of in this kind of sub theme of flow progressive ads. And both of them are these kind of um, retro uh, after school special ads. And uh, very these strangers me, with candy. I love these. I also want to mention she, another um, kind of sub category of ads they were doing with Flo was the ones where she plays every single character in the room, which is so played out. Like, that concept is so played out. But somehow she is so good that she makes those work. And I think it's because, yeah, that concept is played out. And part of the joke to me was how tired that trope is. Oh, really? You think that it was kind of weak on that? In the same way that, you know... um, uh, Jack Black's character in Tropic Thunder is making fun of that trope, right? He he plays a an actor who, you know, uh, is best known for for playing a bunch of fatties in a in a family of farters and and vomiters, mm-hmm, right. which you know, not that not that the flow commercial goes quite that far, but I think it is making fun of that trope a little bit. I could be I could be giving it too much. Credit. Right. Well, let's take a listen to the uh, first progressive after school special ad that I love. I should mention that there's a bunch of people all I guess they're all progressive people all dressed up in uh, their white uniforms. And there is one guy sitting at the table and he's chugging tons of those little cartons of milk. And Flo walks into the room as he's as he's doing the chugging. Thirsty? They said it would make me cool. They don't sound cool to me. Guess not. You gotta stick up for yourself. Like with the name your price tool. People tell us their budget, not the other way around. Aren't you lactose intolerant? This isn't lactose, it's milk. Oh man, and the, 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 you hear the warble in the music that I love so much. It's a nice touch, like you're watching it on an old VHS or something. That I can't explain it, but the font they use and the and the movement and where they kind of do a freeze frame on her face, it is just again, it's just kind of yeah, sort of like a, subtleties, a, an educational film strip that you might have watched, you know, in the '80s about uh, avoiding peer pressure. But was, is that a, so? That I agree. It's that's very funny, and I'll let you play the other one in just mm-hmm. a second here. But I, after we play the second one. I want to talk about whether or not these ads are doing their job. Are we... I, right. We, I think that's a good we question. We love those ads. 
uh, we have insurance, not from Progressive. This one uh, also, of course, starring Flo and that same guy, the milk chugger, but this time they are in a high school locker room. He's sad. Hey, big guy. I heard you lost a close one today. Look, Jamie, maybe we weren't the lowest rate this time. But when you show people their progressive direct rate and our competitors' rates, you can't win them all. The important part is you help them save. Thanks, Flo. Let's go get you an ice cream cone, champ. The sprinkles? The sprinkles are for winners. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Uh, again, with the freeze frame and and, and uh, the the look on her face is just great. But you know, you're right. It wasn't until I was digging through these ads today that I was actually like, oh yeah, what exactly? I've heard the term "name your price" tool four billion <laughs> times at this point. <laughs> Never even occurred to me what the hell does that mean? Or can I use it? Or yeah, like what? I mean, it, you know, it, I always just thought it was the type of thing that you just aim at cars to figure out how fast they're flying down the highway. Um, so yeah, I guess the whole point is you, you let us know what you can afford and, and we'll adjust to you. But no, as a consumer of insurance, never even occurred to me that I should check it out. Never once. Yeah, no, I, the, the insurance wars, the insurance ad wars are endlessly fascinating to me and we certainly don't have time on this episode to get into the the full gamut of them but i mean between geico progressive and the insurance um they, that is they are blanketing the the airwaves mm-hmm. i mean it's basically you can't turn on the television without seeing a commercial for one of those three insurance companies never mind the you know the sort of really down market ones like the general or like you know Vern Fonk or something like that but sort of for those three, the three big discount insurance people. And then, I mean, and then you have this, your state farms and your all states and like, then, then they're sort of, they're, they're sort of tier above. But I mean, how many hours a week in American television are being dedicated to insurance advertisement? Right. There must just be so much money in, in getting people to, to even check out, you know, to, to see if, see about getting insurance that like. Uh, it must just be worth it to them because the the need for them to have brand recognition and name brand awareness it seems just overwhelming. Well, I think it also helps that when it comes to auto insurance, almost every state has a law mandating it. Yes. So therefore saying, listen, you have to have that. So therefore we're going to make it as simple for you as possible and as cheap for you as possible is, is I think that's where this all started. Like with the Geico ads, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. On car insurance. car insurance, yeah. I mean, the fact that we can all recite that in our sleep is really yeah. something. Yeah. All right. So clearly, flow. That's my. That's my. I'm buying it. Pick of the week, Genevieve. What do you got? Uh, there's an ad that I saw recently. I'm sure it was during a football game that really stood out to me. Um, it's the Nike Snow Day ad. So if you haven't seen it, um, I'll kind of narrate it here because there's not a lot of there's not a lot of sound. But basically, uh, it's a it's a cold, snowy day. Little uh, little nod there it's to a Groundhog, a Groundhog day. day. Very cute. And uh, we see Gronk. Rob Gronkowski, um, uh, New England Patriot, uh, gets all his his uh, his workout gear on. Comes outside. He's excited. It's a snow day. Um, another football man who I don't <laughs> recognize uh, sees him, and clearly they're going to have like a some sort of pickup game. So they go around knocking on other on their friends' houses and doors and getting them out there to put together their little pickup teams and it is like there's it's all these great sports heroes many of whom i don't recognize a lot of football men but also people from other sports um you know you've got 
uh, Carly Floyd, uh, the American women's soccer team. Uh, you've got uh, Antonio Brown, um, uh, Luke Keekley. He's a, um, I think he's a Ram. Uh, you got a lot of NFL players. A lot of NFL, in here. but yeah, but yeah. but but uh, some some soccer guys. Yeah, I mean, you know, I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. A but. Triath- I can't remember her name. A triathlete from uh, from Canada is in this, and that's what I love. This I I. I I love this ad, or I feel like I should love this ad, but because I don't know any of these people, with the exception of like Gronk and Rapeless Burger, like oh yeah, Rapeless Burger, I can't like it doesn't it kind of doesn't give me the kind of sense of excitement that I think it gives a lot of other people. Well, I like it because even though I can't recognize all of them, I know I get who I get what they are. They're all like at the top of their fields, at the top of their games. They show up and they all come to this field and face off against each other, and they all look tough. It's snowing and blizzarding, and they're all dressed pretty lightly. You know, it seems like, ooh, it's cold, and they're tough, and they're going to play this, like, you know, super tough football game, and they agree to tackle, not touch. Um, it's been built. It's been viewed almost nine million times. And again, we're looking at YouTube nine million times. These are people who sought out this right. ad to make it full circle again. And I, one of the, some of the folks who were writing in on the Facebook page were saying, "Oh yeah, this is probably my favorite commercial that's out there." Right and now. I think that speaks to something. There, there have been other ads like this, right, where you get kind of a super cast or mm-hmm. a, you know, a super group of people in a field, often athletes, but you, you occasionally see it elsewhere, of people. Um, kind of taken out of their element, out of their element a little bit, or or in a in a surprising place, and you get to see them all at one, all in one place, doing something kind of fun. I think it's a great ad. It's really well produced. It does make me feel like I'm not really tough enough to wear or buy Nike. Yeah, so right. in, in that sense, I think uh, it overshoots a little bit. But I'm also just. You know, I'm not very good at sports. <laughs> you know what's nice to see, though? It's nice to see that Nike has a budget now where they can really kind of pull in top names <laughs> and do like a really high budget kind of ad. Finally. That, like, it's just kind of cool Spending to see. Spending some what, money on some athletic exactly. some athlete endorsements. Not putting all of the money into the product itself, but actually into the image of what Nike is and starting to develop that sort of like brand identification is interesting. Yeah, no, way see better to pay goes. Rob Gronkowski some more money instead yeah. of the child laborers who are undoubtedly making those shoes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Save that for our other podcast called After These Labor Crimes. That's a bad joke. We'll cut that out. Uh, how about we leave that? How about we leave that uh, I'm buying it segment there and move on to the uh, to the ad council, see what people were sending us via the Facebook page. Um, yeah, thank you to everybody who weighed yeah. in. Yeah, absolutely. We got a lot of we got a lot of comments, and when we uh, when we'll, we'll see. Right now, we're recording a pilot. I don't know. I don't know if this is going to go anywhere. We'll see. Maybe Genevieve won't be the co-host. Uh, there are a lot of lot of lot of things on the table right now. A lot of lot of decisions we have to make. A lot and, of a lot of promises have been made. Right. Uh, well, not sort to of. me. No, not 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 to you. Uh, I definitely will be a part of this. And um, again, it may be a podcast with me and you talking about commercials. It may be a podcast with. Me and the cats talking about labor practices in Indochina. Like, I don't know exactly where this is going to go. That's right. And you can email us, actually. Oh, yeah. We have set up an email account. It's after these messages show at gmail.com. After these messages show at gmail.com. So here are some of the pics that people sent in. We asked if folks would let us know what their favorite and or least favorite ads are. First note came from Jake Barker. He says, the daily fantasy ads have to be the worst. They're ubiquitous. They offer no entertainment value and they repeat the same information in every ad. So it's basically gambling. So it's constant ads saying, 
just give us your money for nothing in return, please. And uh, there is one, I, first of all, a lot of people did mention that, that you cannot escape these fantasy ads. Yeah, right it's, now. These, it's primarily, for, I think it's exclusively for these two products, DraftKings um, and uh, what's the other one? FanDuel. FanDuel, uh, where you set a lineup, you pay some money each week and you set a set a new lineup and if your lineup does well you can potentially win some money they've somehow skirted the technical definition of gambling of online gambling just mm-hmm. enough although they're they're kind of getting we don't have to get into this because it's not right. that relevant to the ads but they did kind of get in some trouble i think over some they're insider con- trading basically yeah and there that was more of a pr nightmare at this point but their regulators are cracking down i mean congress is looking into this i think nevada recent nevada or nevada or maybe even both of them recently said that these uh same day fantasy sites can't operate in that state anymore um washington state i know that there's a, a handful of states where these uh, you can't even log into them. But, I mean, a brain dead monkey can tell it's gambling, right? Yeah, exactly. But um, this, I'm going to play one. This is the one that drives me the most crazy. Some are just kind of generic, and they, you know, they're guys in front of white and green screens with data kind of around them explaining what same day fantasy drafts are and stuff like that. But then there's this one that I see all the time. This one is for DraftKings, and it's the one where. It starts with a bunch of shots of guys in jerseys and backwards baseball hats. Like they like they finished their Sam Adams and now they're right, exactly. going to do their fantasy lineup. And they're all watching TV, but it's kind of shot in this almost cinema verite or commercial verite style, <laughs> where it kind of seems like it's all shot on iPhones. I think they want it to seem like kind of very real verite, and also to seem very cheap, and also, and also, to, also to be very, very cheap. cheap, exactly. And so because of that, the lighting is really bad. They all look sweaty and greasy, and the ad begins with them all looking at TVs that are off camera. You don't see the TVs. You only see their faces and they're freaking out. They're so full of stress. They look like me, you know, watching the end of a Browns game where it's kind of close, but I kind of know I'm going to lose. Now, what happens in the ad is, of course, their team wins. They hit the payday. And then we see these same brosifs like celebrating. But at the beginning of the ad, everybody looks so miserable in this horrible lighting. I don't want to be any of them. I want to be as far away from this gross, tense atmosphere I possibly can be. This is the feeling. Of turning a game you love Get there. Oh, into a life so stressed out. Uh, now they're now happy. he's won some money. Now he's suddenly, suddenly he's holding a giant amazingly, check. There's a giant check involved. Somebody is spraying champagne all over one of them, which also like he was already greasy and gross looking. He's sitting on his living room couch, by the way. I hope some of that money is going to go to a new couch. Anyway, I really, really, I understand why people dislike these ads because the product is dubious and they're ubiquitous, as Jake and said. And they're just poorly, but poorly this made. This one in particular is just so poorly made. Yeah, I mean they're they're trying to do a very specific thing. They they have a very they know they have a short shelf life. I mean at at mo- for one thing they can only be in existence for part of the year during the football season. So they're they're trying to just get their message across. That's not entirely true. They have um, baseball, basketball. They have they, they oh have, really yeah they have. Uh, uh, English soccer league. They have. Oh well, n- n- but for this, this is clearly speaking to a football watching, yeah, yeah. you know, audience. Those ads are meant to do a very um, specific and pointed thing. They are speaking to a, a very specific population. I think you and I both lack the dude bro gene that you need to have to 
be motivated by that commercial. Yeah. Now, why don't you uh, explain this one? Um, I'll, I'll read the note. This is from our buddy Chris Kramer who wrote in. I couldn't help thinking of this commercial on my flight back from L.A. last week with a child kicking the back of my seat for three hours, sandwiched between the window and a manspreader. Clearly, as someone too cheap to pay for the commercial-free version of Hulu, I am an Emirate Airlines target demographic. A little bit of sarcasm coming from Chris. Explain this ad that has her so mad, and you as well, I believe. Yeah. To me, I'm mad. Mad is the wrong word. I'm disappointed. It, the ad is Jennifer. The, the ad is really well made. Um, you know, in terms of production values, Jennifer Aniston is on a uh, some airplane. She walks up to the um, the flight crew and says, "Like, oh, where's the shower? And where's you know?" She starts asking for all these amenities, and they're like baffled because uh, their plane doesn't have a shower or a champagne service or whatever else you get on Air Emirates or Emirates Airlines. And then, of course, you know, she realized she. I think she wakes up and it was all a dream, and she's she's on her you know first class. She's in her first class cabin on this Emirates flight where you can allegedly take a shower. And I, as I told you when we were watching this commercial for the first time, you, you, I think you said something like, "Oh, you know, where is there a, is there really a shower on an, on a on a plane?" And I said, "You don't need to know because you'll never be right, on a plane. Right, right, Neither right. of us will ever be on a plane where any of these amenities are available to us. You know, it, this is such a such a luxury good." It, it is so out of reach for the average American, and I, I love Chris's point. You know, she, she's watching, she's watching it on like the sort of you know cheapo version of Hulu, where she doesn't even pay to not get the ads. Obviously, she's watching this ad. Let me assure you, Emirates, if someone can't pay the thirteen dollars or won't pay the thirteen dollars for the ad-free version of Hulu, they they have no shot at a ticket on one of your air, airplanes, like yeah. even a, even a regular. <laughs> it on one of your airplanes like and what I, I think what i don't like about this commercial or what really stuck struck me about it is jennifer aniston has really curated her personal brand i mean she's a tabloid regular her personal story is so well known to most americans to certainly anyone who would be like motivated by her as a spokesperson and for her to do this ad just feels really tone deaf because it really hammers home like how much she's not like the rest of us. She's not the girl next door. Celebrities are not just like us because they're taking showers on fucking planes. <laughs> you know what? I was going to play a bit of the ad. I don't think we need to. You described it well enough. It's an, it's an entire minute long. Yeah, no. I mean, but what I would like it'll to just do, make people hate Jennifer Aniston more, which she just doesn't need. What I would like to do is read some of the comments that are underneath <laughs> the video. The very first comment is, this is on YouTube. I feel so poor after watching this. Somebody else wrote, hashtag nightmare goals. Somebody else wrote, why are you showing this to me? Show this to someone who shits money for a living. So I don't think we're... Because when I first saw this ad, I saw it during a football game. And I think you brought it up. And I was like, well, you will see some pretty high-end ads during football games. Like some weird business-to-business sure. ads that I don't even understand. Because, you know, football is reaching a wide range of people. Including from the, a lot of rich folks. Rich folks, poor folks, and everybody in between. But, but Chris's point is absolutely right. If you're watching this on a free YouTube with ads stream, then they're missing the point they're, on this. They're absolutely missing the point. And I don't, I don't think the ad itself is the problem. I think the platforms they're using is, are dumb. And I think, uh, you know, it is obnoxious. But you want to have, you know, Mark Cuban doing that. Mark Cuban is a guy who is famous for being mm-hmm, a rich guy a and for being, you know, better than poor people. That's his brand. You know, find someone like him. Get Kim Kardashian to do that ad. That's her brand. It's not going to tarnish her brand for her to be like, 
I'm rich and I'm on a on a plane with a shower. I just don't get like Jennifer Aniston's agent should like get 40 lashes for that. <laughs> to your point, somebody wrote, so Rachel did go on the flight to Paris. <laughs> I guess her and Ross had a little break again. Anyway, all right. Well, thanks, Ad Council. We're going to leave it there for now. Let's get out of here. You can sell anything. You can sell anything. That's uh, You Can Sell Anything by Das Racist. I think it's a, a good track for this podcast. Perfect. I don't know. Maybe we should just use it every week. We'll see. Yeah. I, I, let's let's use it until we find something better. That's right. We don't uh, even know if you or I will be replaced by next week. So Yeah. We'll see what the, what the suits Nothing's say. Nothing's written in ink. Um, next week, uh, we're looking forward to getting into the direct TV ads. Um, they are as ubiquitous, surely, as the uh, insurance ads we talked about today. And uh, you, you've definitely seen them. They have the... They have Rob Lowe, Peyton Manning, and, a, and an alternative Rob Lowe or Peyton Manning. Uh, so we'll get into that in detail. Um, until then, talk to you next time. Yeah, pooping on the track, call me Doodle Vic. Cool, cool, cool AD. Nothing new to the kid. What can you do to the kid? Totally stupid and sick. No scruples. Cool man. Ice cream. Scooping it. You can sell anything. You can sell anything.